that we have an interactive feature with Bible study and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com that's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study all one word you go there to that webpage and there's a button that you can toggle and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail and we'd love to hear from you could be just saying hi or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. Alrighty! Yay! Hello, everybody! Hello! Here, I'm wearing my new improved map. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even go to AutoZone. I just got it. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here, and uh, we gathered to have some Bible study. See what God might say to us. So let's begin our time in prayer. Father, thanks for loving us enough. And so much that it's in your heart and your desire to reveal yourself and communicate with us. It's in your heart and your desire to show your love to us. It's in your heart and your desire for us to know you more. And so tonight we gather to know you more, to hear from you, to be instructed for revelation to come, to see something, hear something, experience something new. So God, tonight I pray that we'd be open for that. And that uh, we give you the space and opportunity in each of our lives to speak and to reveal and bring truth. So God, tonight we yield ourselves, yield our will, yield our hearts to you. And we ask God that you would teach us, lead us, guide us, be glorified in this space and in us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. We go to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 25. 1 Chronicles 25. First Chronicles 25. And just as a reminder for all of you, the podcast is going. Uh, we continue the podcast all through this. I'm a little muffled in some of them, but that's to be expected with a rag tied around my face. <laughs> uh, but they are there. They are available if you ever miss a Monday night and you're curious what happened or you're interested in what happened. You can always find that where our podcasts are found. So, 
invite you to check that out. I also use it sometimes as a resource for people if they're interested in, hey, what do you guys believe or what do you think? I'm like, well, there's a whole catalog of stuff right online. And uh, between the Monday night and the Sunday and all the rest, there's just plenty of material. We've got 20 years of uh, Sunday teaching online. So, um, and a bunch of years of this too and other things. We've got conferences there. We've got a prayer team. There's one of the prayer team uh, retreats that was recorded and put online too. So there's all kinds of stuff there, and uh, if you're ever interested in browsing that, you can get there from our website, check out the resources page, and I don't know, there's going to be something there that would interest you. I sound younger. <laughs> so I'm not as crusty as I am now. First Chronicles 25, the volunteer, read verse uh, 1. David. Together with the commanders of the army, set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Herman, Judaism, for the Ministry of Prophesying, accompanied by harps, players, and cymbals. Here is the list of the men who performed this service. Alright, now, just read that to yourself again. And tell me if something seems a little bit curious about it. Yes. <laughs> That's the reason I was drawn to the verse is because something struck me as being curious about it. What was what's curious to you? Prophesied with these instruments. Okay. <laughs> All right. Right. Okay. Because most people don't think of that was good, Pastor. Most people don't think of prophesying with your instrument. But what really caught my eye was that if the military commanders, along with David. Making the decision, <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting, because what you have there is you got David, who of course is the king, but then there's this military hierarchy that exists in Israel, and so there are leaders and there there are captains of hosts, princes of hosts, whatever you want to describe them as, but. These are people that were in command of different parts of the military. And so David, who was the king, along with his military leaders, if you read it, commanders of the army, they were making decisions concerning prophecy and worship. I think that's super interesting to me. Maybe that's not so interesting to you, but it's interesting to me. Because we don't normally think of those things as going together. I mean, most of the time. We would not normally think of your military types making decisions about who's leading worship. Or making decisions about prophecy. Or making decisions about the spiritual side of things. And yet, in Israel, there was this, this kind of interesting conglomeration of people. There was this kind of interesting hierarchy of people they were making those kinds of decisions. I find that to be fascinating. David isn't so surprising because, I mean, he wrote a lot of the psalms. He also played instruments. He was a worshiper. Not only was he a worshiper, he was a dancer. He played, he's somebody that could play instruments, he could sing, somebody that wrote music. So we know that he's a worshiper. 
and he encouraged and led the people in worship. So it makes sense that David, as king, would have something to say about this. It's the military commander's part that I think is really super interesting. So you have the administration, what we would call the administration, that'd be David. He's the king. You have the military and all of those people. And you have the nation of Israel, the people. And all of those things are integrated together. All of them. And in some ways, Israel is still that way today. What do I mean by that? Well, they don't have a king. But, as most of you know, or some of you know, in Israel, if you're a certain age, guess what? You serve in the military. Right? It's just the way it is. So every citizen, every person that lives there that is a citizen of Israel serves in the military. So in a way, it's still integrated into their everyday lives. And everyone has that experience. Everyone has that, uh, that they've been there, they've done that. And so they have this contact and they have this experience and they have this training and they have these things that happen in their lives that all of them together are joined together as a nation to defend their nation. I mean, we have something else. We have a volunteer uh, military. And so if you want to join the military, you join the military. You know, we haven't had a draft in a long time. And, and so it's been voluntary for a really, really long time. And so we have this distinction between you got people, and then you got people in the military who volunteer. So you've got military, non-military, veterans, non-veterans. We have these kind of interests, like it, it's just a separation. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be, or there should be. I'm just saying that we don't have the same thought patterns as other countries that require everybody to be part of the military. So if you think about it, they're all veterans. Like, after you reach a certain age, everybody's a veteran. Because they all have to serve. And that's how it is. So, you see these people, David, you see the commanders of the army, and you see this military hierarchy setting a proper order of things. They're setting the proper order of worship. They're saying the proper order of the musicians. They're saying the proper order of people that are going to write songs. They're saying the proper order of people that are going to be prophesied. Now, if you look at the names there, there's no way for anybody to know this unless you read about it somewhere, but the names that are mentioned, there's three names mentioned there in that verse. And all of the branches of the tribe of Levi are represented among the musicians through those three names. Now, we wouldn't know that unless you had a way to look that up. But that's why that's significant. It's significant because this is representing the Levites. And the Levites, they kind of have their own thing. If you ever read the history of Israel, you understand the different tribes. The tribes are all given pieces of land chunks of land, and they could settle there and everything, but the Levites, they were different. And so they were settled differently than the rest of the 
the people of Israel. And so they have a part and they have a portion in Israel. They have a part and they have a portion in the way things are going. They have a part and they have a portion in how things are going to be done. But it's different than everybody else. And so what we see is that they are being represented here through these three names. As, as, as people are being called. As people are being put into their positions. As people are being set in order so that there will be worship. So that there will be music. So there will be prophecy. So that the, the operation of what God wants to do by His Spirit has a place and a time. And there, there's this, this function that they're setting in the nation. That's how important it is. Now you think about all the different things that could be set in order in a nation. You think about things that we consider to be important. You know, you did things like infrastructure. You know, things that we think are important like security, like safety, uh, things that we think are important like, like foreign relations, things that we think are important. You just keep going down a list and you can see, like, depending on who you are, you might have different priorities and different things you think are important. Right. But one of the things that they consider to be just super important, one of the things that they consider to be key to their function as a nation, key to their thriving as a nation, key to who they would be identified as a nation. One of the things that they set down and they said this has to happen is they have to have worshipers. They have to have people that prophesy. They have to have people that are responding to the Spirit and that are bringing forth music and bringing forth song and bringing forth worship to God. It's that important. It's a national concern. They have to have it. And so in their economy of what they were and who they were, this was something that they saw as key and important to who they were as part of their identity. And so these people, these three, were called by the king and by the leaders of the military to serve the Lord. Now, I looked up the word serve. Serve the Lord. And the first definition of the word serve, serve the Lord, is to be a servant. Okay? I didn't think dictionaries are supposed to do that, but that was Merriam-Webster, so I'm going to give it to them. To be a servant, that's how you serve. That was the number one definition. Number two, to work for. That's the second definition of serving the Lord. Third definition, to do your duty. To do your duty. So we got to be a servant, to work for, to do your duty. Last definition I... I wrote down was to work to achieve something. And so, these groups, these men and their families were called in order to be a servant, to work for, to do their duty, and to work to achieve something for the Lord. That's what they were called to do. They were the prophets, they were the musicians, and they were the, they were the ones that were playing the instruments and the singers. <coughs> and so, they, they make special emphasis the word prophecy, that they were prophesying. And the simplest definition I can give you of prophesying is an utterance under a spiritual influence. Simple definition. An utterance under a spiritual influence. See, musical utterance, whether it is, and for some of you this may take you rethinking this, spiritual utterance, which could be singing, 
spiritual utterance, which could be other forms of music coming forth, spiritual utterance is the direct effect of inspiration. People used to understand that. That when someone played skillfully on their instrument, or someone sang skillfully, or someone danced skillfully, or someone wrote songs, or someone wrote music to the song, people understood that to be that God-given. People understood that to be inspired. That God breathed into that person inspiration. He breathed into them, and this came forth. You know, in, in a sense, when you, you hear people talking later on about gifts, or you hear people talk, oh, that person is really gifted. That person is really inspired. What's being implied with that is that this is God-given. What's being implied with that, and, and maybe not in people's minds anymore, but in original language and the original understanding of it, what is being really spoken by that is that God gave them this gift. God inspired them with this ability. God has breathed into them, and this is what is coming forth from their lives. And, and that's just the way people saw it and understood it. And, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, if you think about it, this is part of our language, right? And so the usage, well, you know, you can go back maybe hundreds of years, maybe a hundred years, maybe fifty years, that people understood what this meant. And whether we've lost it now or not, I, I can't tell you that. I mean, I still think in those terms, but I'm biased by my faith. I'm biased by my understanding of what God says in the Bible. I'm biased by my experience. I'm biased by the way I was brought up. I'm biased by the, the words that people use when they refer to these kind of things. But it's still in my it's still in my mind. That's still in my spirit. And I want to speak that to you that this is part of how they saw things, part of how they understood things. So you've got these these three that they name, but they're specifically calling them and calling their families and saying, this is what we have. We, we want to set you in order so that you can be effective as singers and musicians and, and worshipers and writers of songs and dancers and all the rest of the things that they would do. And they had every expectation that what would be produced from them, just like the prophesying, used in the same conjunction as writing a song, using the same way, as singing a song, using the same way, of playing an instrument would be God breathed through them. And hopefully I brought that around enough for you to understand what I'm saying. That the, the God breathing that comes from, that's from God for prophecy is the same God breathing that goes into playing an instrument. The same, the same God breathing that goes into singing. The same God breathing that goes into writing music and lyrics, the same God breathing that can go into dance or whatever it is that's being used for worship. They're all related. There's no distinction. And so like what Patrick said, we don't think in these terms. Because he said, well, that, that seems kind of weird. Well, it is kind of weird for most of us. It is kind of weird for most of us. You can prophesy on an instrument 
Yes. Why? Because it's God breathed. You can prophesy in song. Why? Because it's God breathed. You can prophesy through writing a song. Why? Because it's God breathed. You can prophesy through writing music. Why? Because it's God breathed. You can prophesy through dance. How? It's God breathed. It's inspired. And so all of these things are related to each other in the sense that God is breathing it to bring life to it. And if it's not God breathed, it doesn't have that life. Simple as that. Simple as that. The ultimate job of the musician, of the musician, the ultimate job of the musician is to be prophetic in whatever they do. And so, whether it's singing, writing, playing, dancing, it will be prophetic in what they do. And you read down in those verses, some of your uh, versions of it, it calls them workmen. And so I don't know how much more down to earth you get than that, they're workmen. You know, well, what's a workman? Well, you used to have signs, men at work. Remember those? Before the group came along, back in the 80s, and people started stealing those signs. And so they made them men working. And now I'm sure they just say, working. I don't have any idea. But, you know, that, that's the idea. The workmen are there. The workmen are, are doing their job. But this kind of work that God calls us to, the spiritual work, the prophetic work, the, the work where we're just working on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's a liberty. That's a, a, a pleasure to engage in this work. And I mean, it's duty. It is a sense of duty to it. There is a sense of labor to it. There is. There's a sense of duty and a sense of labor to it, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is a liberty and a pleasure to do it. I mean, you know, like, well, how can it be both? Well, the person who asked that probably doesn't have kids. Right? Because raising children is a liberty and a pleasure. It really is. But raising children is also a duty, and sometimes it is labor, and sometimes it's struggle. And so how can something be both at the same time? Because it is. What do you mean, how? Because it is. And depending on the day, you can feel better about it than other days. But it just is what it is. And it can be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you in your entire life, but it's still a duty. And, and that's the way it goes. Sometimes it's a struggle. It can bring you the most joy of anything that you've ever had in your life, raising your children, but it can also be a struggle. Some days, some days it just be hard. Harder than any job you've ever had. And so this idea that God breathes, this idea that God speaks into, this idea that God would use these people to prophesy in what they do, to be under a spiritual influence, to be brought to life by the breath of God, doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Because sometimes it is. 
if there's anything in the world that you always feel like doing. Even good stuff. Alright? Even good stuff. You don't always feel like doing even good stuff. So, yeah, serving God like that, it can be just full of joy for you, but you don't always feel like doing it, but you do it because it's your duty. It can be full of so many rewards for you, but you don't always feel like doing it, but, and so you some days struggle and you labor at it. And there's plenty of days that I do things that nine times out of ten I enjoy, but there's days where I labor at those things. Because they're hard. So I do. And whether that discipline or whatever it is, I have no idea, but just to keep going even if it's tough. So, they're all called to this. They're all called to this. And they're called to do it while they're playing. You know, they're not two separate things. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to prophesy now, and then we'll play a song. No. All right, we're going to play a song, and then we'll prophesy after the song, in between the song. No. Okay, what we'll do then is that we'll play a song, and we'll wait a few seconds, and then we'll prophesy, and then we'll play another No. No. It's a prophetic work. Worship is a prophetic work. And we don't, in the way that it was set up, and the way that it was understood, it was set up in such a way that, that it was all part of and all participating in the same spiritual other. You see, David was setting up the tabernacle. Alright? And there was worship in the tabernacle. And that tabernacle worship is something that is mentioned again in the New Testament and it's tabernacle worship that you see that, that you, you begin to see again in the book of Revelation. There was some kind of a revelation that David had about worship here. There was some kind of a revelation that David had about what worship was going to look like and what worship was going to be. I mean, this was God-inspired. And so, you know, I'm not just looking at it saying, oh, this is just Old Testament stuff. Because it's not. This is of such spiritual value what we're looking at here is of such spiritual value that you see it again. And then you see it again. But this is God setting up His order. God setting up the way He does things. God setting up the way He wants things done. This is how it is. This is how it is. And so while they would play, the expectation was is that there would be poetry and music. And the idea is that the Spirit had to put life into them. Had to put life into their poetry. Had to put life into their music. Had to put life into their playing. Had to put life into their ministry. Had to put life into their prophecy. Had to put life into what they were doing. And if he didn't put the life into it, it was worthless. And so they were called and said, okay, this is what needs to happen. And God's either going to bless us and put some life into it, or it is worthless. That's why you can't just mail it in. That's time to worship. You can't do it. It's just useless. And all that comes as a shock to some of you. 
Because we love porn. We love to just do things because you do it. And there's a form to it. And so this is how it's done. And so we will participate in the form. Yeah, some part of human beings loves religion. Because it's easy. But that's not what we're talking about. It isn't religion. It's not, you know, you stand up now, sit down then. It's not, oh, follow the words on the screen, then you'll be okay. It's not, oh, I can't wait for the next song to begin. Why is this taking so long? It's not any of that. It's God breathed, God inspired, and God moving in and through His people. Now, as Spencer talked about uh, the idea of prophesying through the instruments, and there were some instruments, instruments that were mentioned there, the harps, the psalteries, the cymbals, voice. These are these are mentioned there. You can prophesy on cymbals. Yeah. You know, to them the cymbals were how they kept the beat a lot of times of their music. But it was it was they could prophesy on the harp. They could prophesy on the psaltery. They could prophesy on the cymbals. They could prophesy with their voice. We're used to the voice thing, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, if you ever hear anybody prophesy with an instrument, you, you know it. You know it. It was uh, one time, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but this is a more recent thing I can remember. Uh, Garrett was playing his viola. And I don't know if it was at the end of worship or the end of a service. I can't remember when it happened. And, and it just, it was prophetic. And I mean, straight up, it was the sound that was being made, and it was God. It was God. And I can remember when it was done, and while it was playing, I just had to sit down. Now, I, I normally have about 80 things to do. <laughs> i got a bunch of things I'm thinking about. I'm making sure certain things are happening. I'm watching out for certain things, all that. But during that, I just had to sit down and receive what God was saying. After the service, I went to Joe and like, tell me you got that. And what you did. But it affected me. And how does it affect me? And when God's Word always affects me. It was just notes played on an instrument, right? Yep. It was prophetic. Uh, it was creative in me. It was challenging me. Now I've heard people prophesy on the drums. And there's just sometimes where that begins to happen and you just recognize that happening. You gotta sit down and receive it. You gotta sit down and receive it. But it's powerful. So the Bible says a few things to say about some of this. Uh, the Bible talks about spiritual songs. Somebody look at Ephesians 5.19. Look up some verses.
Ephesians 5.19 Alright, so I'm not going to break that down too much, but read it for what it says. You speak to one another. Now, by definition, are you really speaking by your definition right now? If you're singing, well, maybe your definition needs to change. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, songs of the Spirit, whatever your Bible says. He says, speak to one another in those. Well, that is a speaking. That's that, that lays the foundation for us understanding God that we're prophesying through these things. And it's prophetic utterance through these things. And whether you see that as speaking or you don't see that as speaking, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. And then at the end of that verse, kind of an interesting thing there, read the last few words of that verse. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music. Okay? Singing is a prophetic utterance that most of us can see that. Making music is also a prophetic utterance. It's a spiritual song. First Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Alright. So Paul, and he's in, the, in this chapter, he's talking about orderly worship. I mean, that's the big, that's the headline of the chapter, is orderly worship. And so he's out, okay, well, here's how you go about worshiping the churches. But he wanted to make sure they understood this is what he expected. This is how they were supposed to order their services. Well, part of the order of the service that he's laying out here in First Corinthians is singing with the understanding and also singing in the Spirit. Part of the order of the service is speaking with the understanding and also speaking in the Spirit. Right? We often call that speaking in tongues. Singing in tongues. Praying in tongues. And so, what you hear here is Paul laying down an order for worship saying, this is how I go about it. I sing with the Spirit, but I also sing with the understanding. I speak with the Spirit, but I also speak with the understanding. Pray with the Spirit, but also pray with the understanding. And understand what he's saying with that is that these are the manifestation that you should and can expect as an individual in a given church service as you're worshiping and as you're being led of the Holy Spirit. Normal. Regular. Every day. And I mean, he's talking to a church that was a little bit nutsy when it came to some of their manifestations. But he wanted to make sure they understood this is normal. This is a, this is the way it goes. This isn't like special only during revival time. This is normal time, regular time. 
all the time. So this is what was laid out in the tabernacle. And this is the way it is. This is the way it was then, and it's the way it has been for the last 2,000 years in the New Testament church. Can somebody go back to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 5? Now bring me a musician, and when the musician played the hymn of the Lord, he was on. 
Okay, now it's Elisha thing. You know who that is? Elisha. So, here's Elisha. I mean, Elisha's no slouch, right? He's a pretty big time prophet. Elisha's a pretty big time prophet. What do you say? Bring me, bring me a musician. And so a musician came, began to play. He was inspired, breathed in. God breathed into him, and he played under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy began to flow, and guess who began to prophesy? Huh? What's that? Elisha. So, he understood something here, that there was this, this relationship, not one greater than the other. What's the name of that musician? I don't know. I don't know. If it does say it, I'd never remember it. But I know who Elisha is. But that day, he needed to call for a musician who was inspired, who had been breathed into, began to play out of that inspiration prophetically, and then Elisha began to prophesy. There's a symbiotic relationship going on there. I know it's hard for you to think of it this way, but what else explains that? I don't know. You wanted mood music? I mean, you really believe that? Or do you think there's probably something more important happening there? And I've heard people try to explain this stuff away. There's no explaining it away. I'm not going to sit around listening and sit there and say, oh, it must have been the mood music then. No, it's not mood music. Something needs to happen. Something prophetic. Something that it needed to take place took place through the playing of that instrument. And then Elisha began to prophesy. Well, the instrument had already begun to prophesy. The guy playing that instrument had through his instrument. And then Elisha began to prophesy with the word that he spoke. They're together. It's all inspired. It's all breathed into together. Okay, someone look. Go to the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The message about Christ and all churches fill your lives. Keep in confidence each other with all that you give. And Psalms and spiritual songs you have a thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks for whom God's Father. Alright, so read those verses. What are they describing? Just give me a summary of the verses. What do they describe? Daily life. Yeah. Yeah, that's how things should go. That's how things should go. If you're ever looking for any of the books, it's General Electric Power Company. Galatians, <laughs> Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. Alright, so if you find one of them, you know where the rest of them are. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Alright. Yeah, so that's describing our lives. And so you see a bunch of stuff. And we major on most of that stuff. Oh well, we're gonna major on teaching. This is a Bible teaching church, brother. Yep. Um, we're gonna major on what? You know, you reach through that, you read through the list. Uh, we're gonna major on being nice to everybody. Alright? We're Christ like around here. You stink, get out of here. <laughs> uh you know, we'll pick another one out. There's plenty of those little things in there, right? Like you pick them out and say, oh, this is important. Well, that's important. Well, this is important. Well, kind of important also is singing to one another. Spiritual songs. Songs of the Spirit. Kind of important spending that time together in worship. Kind of important hearing from God in worship and song and for to prophesy through our instruments. Taking the time to do that too. It's in the list, right? Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that part. It's part of us. It's part of the way God has made us. It's part of the order that He set over us. It's important. Now, as we're going through this, do you have, does anyone have any revelation why the military was involved with this decision? It could be. As we know, the musicians went out with Israel when they went to battle. Okay, so that was integrated into their battle plans, was that they had musicians that would go out and singers would go out when they went out to battle. Why else? Warfare. What's that? Worship's a form of warfare. It is, right? What's the military good at, huh? Order. 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 Right. Order. I read a book a number of years ago. It was written by one of the generals that was in charge of the tanks, all of the tank forces for the first Gulf War. He was the guy in charge of all the tank forces. And there was a sea of tanks that rolled into that first Gulf War. And I mean a sea of tanks. And so he began to describe everything that had to be accounted for moving tanks that far. It was incredible. I mean, things I would have never thought of. They had to be there. They had to be there. Because what would happen if you didn't have mechanics along the way? As the tanks were moving, they just don't break down. They leave much tanks behind. And so how do you get the mechanics there where they need to be as the tanks are rolling into the battle zone? Think about it. So that, that's a logistical issue, right? How are you going to feed people? Where are you going to get water from? How do tanks run? Fuel. How are you going to get fuel to them? How do you secure the lines of fuel? I mean, you get one of those trucks, 
with a missile or something, why? <laughs> Who wants to drive that truck, right? <laughs> Who wants to drive the diesel fuel truck? Not me. You need double time or triple time for that. I mean, I don't know. But he, he began to start, I mean, it was a big book. It was like a thousand pages long. But a good portion of that book were a lot of details of what it took to put that all together. And the astounding details that had to go into it. And people had to think of those things. But in general, the military is good at that. Now, I know some of you have been in the military thinking, they're not that good at it. Well, I understand that. <laughs> but if you consider the overall vastness of what has to be done, they're pretty good at it. They are. And, and so, this is one of those things, and this is what I want to get at with this, why I believe they had them involved in it. Yes, worship's a part of their military. It is. That the singers went out, the musicians went out, when they went out to battle, all of them went out together. And it was a part of how they did things. I mean, think of the Revolutionary War. Alright? Weren't there guys, weren't there musicians that went out with those guys to battle? Still? Right? There were drummers? There were people that could blow a horn? Right? Because that's how they would signal? There might have been a flute, you know, like a fife player. You ever see that? Alright, and they would use that for marching and, and for general orders and things like that. I mean, that wasn't that long ago that musicians were still going out with the military for battle. And they did back then. So it was a part of it. But also I think that they do a good job of keeping everything in perspective. So that, in other words, we're not doing this thing and neglecting that. Especially when God says that is really important. And so they're making sure there was a balance to get it done. Now, we're just the church. And I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. But we've been given the responsibility to balance this out. Been given the responsibility to not allow our cultural norms to dictate what God has said and the way God wants things done. And that's all there is to it. One thing about the military is sometimes you get orders and you don't understand them. That's just true. And maybe there's not time to explain every order to every grunt. No offense, Dean. I mean that lovingly. We have a Marine flag right there. But you know what a Marine sit there, they don't always explain what they're telling you to do, right? No. So, you do it. We get our orders, and we do it. And sometimes it's a bigger picture of things. Sometimes it's a bigger picture of why things need to happen when they need to happen. Sometimes it's a bigger picture of why things need to stop, or why things need to start. Sometimes it's a bigger picture of 
of, of setting aside something that somebody is their their important thing, their special snowflake purpose. But we got to set that aside for now because we need to do something else right now. And there's a bigger strategy that's going on, and that's okay. Maybe the Holy Spirit's leading that strategy. Let's be sensitive to that. Let's be sensitive to what God is saying. Let's be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let's be sensitive to His order and how He wants things done. And learn to flow in that. But I do believe there's a flow to it. And I believe every single one of us can enter into that flow. We can do it. We can do it. If you can yield yourself and leave behind all of those preconceived notions and all of those biases and all of those fears and just push yourself into the river of what God is doing and just go with this flow, we're going to see some pretty powerful things happening. If you do that in your life, you're going to see powerful things in your life. If we can do that as a body of believers, we'll see powerful things in our midst. We will. We've seen them before. Told of the form of what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if I've done nothing more tonight than just open your eyes a little bit to a little larger strategy of what God does and how He does it and how worship and singing and, and, and playing of instruments and dancing and, and showing ourselves in worship and, and how all of that is inspired. God breathed and prophetic by nature. If I've been able to show you that just a little bit, I've done good tonight. Because maybe that'll open your eyes to what God is saying. Or maybe it'll open your ears and you begin to hear it say, oh, man, that, that is prophetic. And you just sit down and let God speak to you through it. I mean, it could be anything. It could be on the drums. It could be on the guitar. It could be on the piano. It could be voice. It could be a sick, sick bass groove. Or or even Mike Tyson on the banjo. Where you sit down and hear it. You sit down and listen. You sit down and let God speak to you. Wow. God speaking through that? Yeah. Prophetically. He's being creative through that. Creative. Creative. Last verse. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation 11. And I need a volunteer to read verses 16, 17, and 18. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So you look at that picture, the 24 elders, easiest way I can describe that is that that's the church. That's God's people. They represent God's people. And they 
They just throw themselves down and worship. See, worship is a heavenly activity. But you know what that tells me? It's an eternal activity. That's what it tells me. Worship, prophecy through music, prophecy, speaking, God speaking through instrumentation, God speaking through dance, God speaking through any way He chooses to, but it's all a part of an eternal plan that we need to get in on now. Like, when will come the day when we stop worshiping? Never. Never. When will come a day when we stop responding to God? Never. When will come a day where God stops loving us? Never. When will come a day when we stop loving God? Never. 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 It's an eternal activity. And so I want to encourage us to move into this in our lives. You may not be particularly musical. That's okay. It's not even a prerequisite. It's not a requirement to be musical. Because whether or not you're the one that's doing the prophesying, remember they chose from the families of Levi to do it. If you're not the one doing the prophesying on your instrument, maybe you're the one that needs to receive that prophecy. If you're not the one prophesying through your song, maybe you're the one that needs to receive that word of prophecy. If you're not the one prophesying through dance, maybe you're the one that needs to receive that. God speaks in a bunch of different ways. Maybe He uses you to speak in other ways that other people can't or don't. And somebody else needs to receive that. That's the beauty of it. I got my thing, you got your thing, but we're all doing God's thing. And, and what we do is it's going to minister somebody or somebody's going to receive this or that or whatever it is. But we can't neglect it. We can't neglect it. And so I want to encourage us all. If you're a musician, there's something bigger than playing your instrument skillfully. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing your instrument skillfully. I'm saying there's something bigger, something more important. There's something more important than technicality. There's something more important than hitting every note. There's a bigger picture. And maybe we need to be somewhere else. Maybe we need to be doing something else. And you need to listen to that. Take a few moments to pray. Father, thanks for speaking to us. I pray revelation into our hearts tonight. That we wouldn't just hear your word and like looking in the mirror and turn away and forget what we saw. Again, I pray that we would remember what we saw, what we heard, and that God, some things would change in our life as far as expectation of how you speak or expectation of what you want to do or expectation of how things are supposed to look or how you want to use each one of us, God. I pray that 
you would build a new expectation in each one of us for our part in this. And I ask you, God, that you would set things in order here. 5.12. Set things in order. Set things in order in our times of worship. Set things in order in our times of prayer. Set things in order in our times when we gather together here, tonight, whenever. Set things in order, God, in our hearts and our lives. And I pray, Father, that our eyes would just be wide open to more. More of what you want to say. More of what you want to do. Not getting stuck in the same rut, but open to your direction, to the wind of your Holy Spirit, the currents that you want to send us down. Even if they're stubborn, I pray we're open. I pray for people who live in your flow. Teach us how to do it better. Be more sensitive, more alive, more in touch, more in the midst of what you're saying and you're doing. Thanks. Thanks, God. Say what you need to say to him. Commit what you need to commit. Ask him for what you need to ask him for. We have to say in Jesus' name. That's agree by saying amen. 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 All right. God bless you. Good to see everybody tonight. Thanks for coming. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you Mm -hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the comunidad. And they all say a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Okay, we, we homies. You know, yeah.